Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The scriptures for this weekend speak to us about an image of faith. Both the prophet Isaiah and Jesus teach us that faith and our relationship with God looks like something. It looks like a marriage. Isaiah and Jesus tell us that God wants a relationship that closely mirrors itself with that of a husband and a wife. Now, we believe in the sacrament of marriage is an act of self-giving whereby the man and the woman give each other to the other out of love. In doing so, they share their lives with each other. And see, that's the level of relationship and intimacy God desires from us. And this is what Isaiah in the first reading is prophesizing. Listen now what he says. No more shall your people be called forsaken or your land desolate, but you be called, you shall be called my delight, and your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder will marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so your God will rejoice in you. Now notice what he says. Your builder shall marry you. Well, that's referring to God. God is our creator. Therefore, he is going to marry us. We are going to enter into a self-giving relationship with God. Furthermore, it says, As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall God rejoice in you. Well, essentially, God rejoices in us always because we are now espoused to him. But notice that sequence, though. The builder, God, shall marry you. God will rejoice in you. God is in the active role while we are in the passive recipient role. Our relationship with God is one in which God desires and actively pursues us. Isaiah now sets the tone for the gospel story. Here we have the wedding feast of Cana. Now, remember, it's from John's gospel. And when reading from John, we become saturated with great symbolism. Now, in this story, we see the very first miracle Jesus performed in his ministry, and he performs it at a wedding feast. And how appropriate. Why is that? Well, up and down sacred scripture in the New Testament, as well as the Old Testament, we hear of these feasts or banquets with rich food and choice wines. That's because God wants to give us life and life in its fullness. More to it, this wedding at Cana, it symbolizes the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that God wants to marry his people. Now, how often do we hear in the Gospels, Jesus, he's referring to himself as the bridegroom. The church is the bride. And see, that's the level of intimacy that God desires from all of us. 
Take it to a deeper level, spiritually. Jesus, he himself, is the marriage of divinity and humanity. The result of this union of his divine nature and human nature in Christ. Well, we must be joyful for all of us. Notice how the gospel story begins. It says from the very first verse, On the first day, there is a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Well, the third day of the week, well, that speaks of the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the fulfillment of God, allowing us to draw into the fullness of his life as it's attained in the resurrection for us all in Jesus Christ. Now, the story continues. We find out that the wine is running out. Now, it's important for us to understand some of the background of weddings that occurred in the ancient world. They weren't like our weddings in our present day. Today, our wedding reception will consist of a dinner and then a reception. The whole celebration is over in a matter of just a few hours. Well, that's not true in the ancient world. A wedding feast during that time of Christ would last for two or three days. Consequently, a host of this celebration would have to save or have enough food and wine to carry them through until the very end. If for some reason you ran out of food or drink, it would be embarrassing for the bride and her groom and bring dishonor to the host. Notice further, who really notices that the wine is running out? It's Mary. It's not the head waiter, which is his job. It's not the waiters that are serving the wine, which is their job. No, it's Mary. Now, we could conclude that it might suggest that Mary is a relative of the wedding party. That's why she knows. Turn to St. John Chrysostom. He said, Just as Mary intervened at Cana for the needs of others, so she continues to make heavenly intercessions for us on earth. Now, Jesus responds to her by calling her woman. He says, Woman, how does this concern me? Now, at first we'd think, man, this is a little cold. And yet, Mary, she symbolizes or represents the whole human race. Mary, when she says they are running out of wine, they means the whole human race. The human race is running out of everything that makes us united to God. We're running out of everything that preserves that union, that marriage between Christ and his church, which is us. See, Mary now stands or represents all of the prophets of the Old Testament, telling her son the people of this world are running out of life that they were once enjoyed with God. Now next, Jesus, he orders six stone jars of water to be filled. Now we all know water is good for us, but it's ordinary, right? It's tasteless. It has no flavor. It won't intoxicate us. It's got no spirit. The symbolism here, water stands for all the things that we can achieve apart from God. What are they? Well, art, science, politics, music, mathematics. Now, these are all good in of themselves, but ultimately, they're not the source of true joy or purpose in life. They don't give our lives meaning 
or fulfillment. Whatever we accomplish in this world, apart from God, we will not be satisfied by just ourselves. More to it, by bringing these jars filled with water to Jesus Christ, now everything that we can do in our own has been brought to Christ. Whether it's art, science, literature, architecture, whatever it is, all good things that are brought to Jesus Christ, so that what? Christ is now able to transform them. Just like he transformed the water into wine, now he transforms everything that we bring to him into something intoxicating, something that is life-giving for each and every one of us, especially our faith. Jesus takes our faith and he transforms it, makes it intoxicating, full of life, life-giving for us all. And yet, when these things are separated from God, all things become flat. It doesn't bring fulfillment, just like water does. Now, all the water jars, they symbolize our secular culture that is disconnected from Christ. But, and here's the key, when all these things are brought to Jesus, just like the water jugs were brought to Jesus, and then he sent them to the waiter as they were transformed into wine, well, if we bring all everything that we have in our life, our heart, our mind, our soul, our will, and our intellect, our time and our attention, then our lives will have joy, purpose, and meaning in life. Our lives will now be intoxicated with Jesus Christ. See, the new wine that Jesus creates, it lifts us up. Symbolic of the power of the divine spirit operative in us. What happens? Well, that power continues on in us. What's the implication? We must bring everything that we have to Christ. Our skills and our abilities, our heart, mind, our soul. Jesus will unite them to himself. And now our lives are truly alive. Our lives are intoxicated, transformed, just like the wine. Our lives will not run out, especially when it comes to eternal life. Jesus will provide for us such that united with Christ, now we will have the hope and the promise of eternal life to come for each and every one of us. One last thought. In this gospel from John, we hear Mary's last words. We will never hear from her again. She calls the servants and she tells them, do whatever he tells you. Well, now Mary tells us the same thing. You know, that's a very powerful spiritual statement. We must listen to Jesus and do whatever he tells us to do. God wants his life in us. What must we do? Cooperate. Cooperate with his desire to draw us into his life, into a marriage with Jesus Christ. Friends, we have to realize we have a God who wants to marry us, to elevate us into his own life. What's required of us? Well, do whatever he tells you to do. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.